I love coffee and I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I hope you have your cup of coffee ready to go because I really just want to be raw this morning, if we can say that. This is Monday morning. This is the week after the shooting in Florida. And of course, there is a lot of debate out there. There's a lot of intensity out there. And so I just wanted to take this morning, I don't usually um, address these kind of issues, but we really have to look at some stuff from a Christian perspective with regard to the biblical perspective on what's going on. And why are things to the level they are, I guess? And there's a lot of opinion, and everybody is entitled, so to speak, to their opinion, but there's a lot of truth out there that I don't think people are necessarily really willing to look at and really willing to boldly speak out and say, we have become so politically correct that it really is uh, to our demise, I guess, at this point. And something that we don't want to say, there's a lot of outrage with guns and gun control and how, and I agree, I agree we don't need certain kinds of weapons in our home, but the truth of the matter is those weapons can be found anywhere. We can pass legislation to make those illegal, but then they will be on the black market and they, just like the drugs, they will make people money and people will still be able to make a phone call or go stand on a corner and get what they want to get. Can we make it a little more difficult? Yes, but it's still gonna be done. And even if it's just a handgun is all you have to do is have two handguns with a little longer of a clip in it and you're gonna do the same thing. And so my concern is why aren't we concerned with the heart of the matter? What is it about this young man and anyone else that gets to the place in their lives where they do a mass shooting, not just a school shooting, but a mass shooting of any sort. What is it? Now, you always, you always have extenuating circumstances. Of course, absolutely. There's always gonna be that one that is outside of the norm, outside of the, the box, outside of the, the case studies or whatever, terminology you want to give it. 
There will always be that one. But for the most part, and I said this last week, I've been doing a lot of reflecting and a lot of reading on what people have had to say about it and what my, what my, where do I stand on it? Where do I stand on it as a mother? Where do I stand on it as a grandmother? Where do I stand on it as a believer in Jesus Christ? Where do I stand on it as just a concerned citizen of the country I live in? And I say this, and it's not with complete lack of concern, but I'm not concerned about where the gun came from. I'm Now, do I think an 18-year-old should be able to legally go out and buy a gun? No. And you know what? Guns are banned on college campuses. Guns are not allowed in college living dorms. But yet, my son walked into his room in college and had a new roommate with his gun sitting on the couch right next to him. Somewhere where it was legally, by law, banned from being. And so if this other person who had some strong areas of concern decided he was going to start shooting, my son would have no recourse because he's following the law, which does not allow him to have a gun on campus, leaving himself completely exposed. Did that other kid have that gun legally? Was it purchased legally? I don't know. Are drugs purchased legally? Most of them not. It's the same thing with the drugs. I don't care where the drugs came from. Let's figure out why people are reaching out and numbing themselves and then becoming addicted. We're not going to stop the drugs, but we can stop the reaching for something to numb our hearts because of all the wounds, all the hurts, and all of that. Let's stop eliminating God from society as a whole. He's been erased from the schools. He's been erased from the town centers. You can't even have a uh, nativity scene there because it might offend somebody. And a moral standard has been brought significantly lower from when just my kids were in elementary school and middle school and high school. The standard has significantly dropped just then, never mind from when I was in school. What's it going to be like when my grandkids start entering school? So I'm not concerned about where the gun came from. I'm concerned about that place that this young man found himself in that he started shooting at his peers. Now what he was actually doing was he was actually blaming the school for circumstances in his life and so that's why he was taking it out on the other children at the school. Now I'm not gonna get into all the psychology analysis of this one child because it goes beyond that. But the truth of the matter is, even in that sense, we have this whole, I call it uh, the Adam syndrome, where we blame everybody else for everything else 
in our lives and we aren't taking any accountability for our actions and we certainly aren't teaching our children to take accountability for their actions, instead we get offended when somebody tells us our child might have done something wrong Never mind us personally, nobody can bring any kind of rebuke to us, any kind of corrective uh, criticism, constructive criticism. It goes all the way back to Adam. I mean, turn there just for a minute. You know, in, in Adam, um, in Adam, in Genesis, uh, I think it's in Genesis 3. Yes, we all know the story. Eve ate the apple. She did. She ate the apple. You're absolutely right. But Eve wasn't actually the one God talked to. God talked to Adam. God gave the command to Adam. And truth be told, Adam was standing right next to Eve when the serpent showed up. And by the way, where were Adam and Eve both standing? They were both standing right next to the tree that they were not supposed to touch. Why were they so close to something they were not supposed to touch? Talk about playing with fire. They were playing with fire. That was the one thing God told Adam to stay away from. And lo and behold, they're standing right next to it. The whole garden they have. <laughs> and they got us. you know why? Because they were over there lingering. They were looking at it, both of them and sure thinking about how good it looked without understanding there were going to be consequences for their actions. And that's something that's not realized even today. There are consequences for actions. And when we can sit in front of a video game for hours and just shoot and shoot and shoot and watch people splat all over the place, I know, I know, not a popular not a popular talk this morning, <laughs> but when we can do that and numb ourselves more and more and get away and walk, get up and walk away from the game like it has no impact whatsoever, and maybe it doesn't on one person, but you'll never know. It's the same thing I say about drinking alcohol. I don't drink even a glass of wine because why do I want to open that door? And that's what I've always taught my kids. Why do you want to open up that door? You have no idea if you're going to be the one that will become an alcoholic. But what we do instead is we drink a couple of glasses or we play a couple of games and we're getting as close to that temptation as possible to see if we're not going to get burned. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They were hanging out at the one place they weren't supposed to be. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the two little kids, you know, they get the, the brother irritating the sister or vice versa. They get the finger as close as they can to their sibling. And they're like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And they're trying to get as close as they can without actually touching them. And that's what we're doing as a whole, as a, as a society. Right? We watch movies where there's murder all the time, where there's blood all over the place all the time, right? Rated R for violence. You see that all the time. We're killing un unborn children, and we're actually telling our children it's okay to do that. You don't even have to go talk to your parents, and that's okay. 
There's a total disregard for human life and the understanding of the finality of taking someone's life, acting like there's not going to be any repercussions whatsoever. I'd like to go sit and talk with that shooter from Florida now. Now, in that jail cell now. Do you think he wants to go back and change anything just like Adam and Eve when they ate that apple? Do you think the moment Adam and Eve, well, probably even from when they had to hide from God, I was going to say from when they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, but even when they had to hide. See, the enemy is never going to make it look like what it really is. And all these small decisions that we make and we're playing with fire and we're getting as close to these things that we shouldn't be anywhere near. And we're dancing so close to them, thinking it's not going to impact us. Taking the risk that is not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, I mean, as all the serpent did was put a little bit of doubt in Eve's mind. Right? The serpent said to the woman in Genesis 3, verse 4, you shall not surely die. Like, really? Do you really think that's going to happen? And see, we open up gateways for ourselves. We open up gateways for our children, our families. Oh, I don't really think that's going to have quite that impact on my family. I don't really think that's a big deal. And we do what our opinions want, and we do what our feelings want, and we haven't even sought the Lord on what is he really, because we want everyone happy, including ourselves. And that means pleasing our flesh, and that comes with consequences. And we don't know how much it's going to cost until the bill is slid under the door. Right? You st- that, this is a great analogy of that. Okay, so say you've never stayed in a hotel room. Okay? Say you go to a hotel and it's a really nice fancy hotel in the downtown city of wherever you live. And so you go downtown and it's your first time ever being in a hotel. And you stay there and you go in the room and you get all settled in and then you look over And there's this uh, snack bar. I'm not quite sure what they call it. And it'll have water in it. It'll have uh, alcohol in it. It'll have um, snacks in it, candy, nuts, stuff like that. And you think, wow, isn't this awesome? This comes with the room. And you just start drinking the water or drinking a drink, whatever it is you do, and eating the food. And you have no clue it's going to cost you actually twice as much as if you'd gone out and purchased it. But you know what? I promise you the hotel's not going to overlook it. And the next day, there's going to be a bill based on what you have consumed. And so for us... There's going to be a bill based on what we have allowed, what we have excused, what we haven't addressed, all of that. There's going to be a bill for it. This whole 
school shooting goes beyond the guns and it goes into the soul of these kids that are doing the shootings. Nobody, nobody has ever said with regard to anybody that's done any kind of mass shooting actually, well, they were just such a well-balanced person, a law-abiding a citizen, I never saw anything from them that gave any indication that there was ever going to be any, there's no paper trail, there's no history. It's just not said. That's just not true. There is. All the kids that were interviewed after the Florida shooting all felt like this boy, Nicholas, I think was his name, they always thought he would do something. And the outrage is at the guns because that's the one thing people can point direction to and place blame on. Instead of us as a society, as a whole, taking responsibility. I mean, truthfully, you know, going back to the video games, we'd rather, you know, as a society, not as individuals, but as a society, we would rather be able to make the income on the video game so we're not going to really, oh, we put an M on it for mature. <laughs> How many eight-year-olds are playing those mature games? We have to get to the heart of the matter. It's the same with Adam and Eve and talking about the blame game. You know, it says Eve allowed the desire of her eyes to talk her into taking of the fruit. And she ate it and she gave some also to her husband and he ate it. Doesn't, it doesn't say that she had to run looking for Adam. She wasn't going around the garden calling for Adam, wondering where he was. She turned and handed it to him. He was right there. And then, of course, it, it says later on, like down in verse eight, it says that God came looking for him. And they went hiding. And God calls who? Adam. He doesn't call Eve. He saw the whole transaction from the heavenlies. He's not surprised. It's not like he doesn't know what happened. It's not like he's thinking Adam grabbed the apple and took a bite. But it says he called out for Adam. Why? Because Adam was the one he gave the word to, number one. And number two, Adam is the priestly mantle of the home. And he had no backbone. He didn't stand up to his wife. His desire to please Eve overruled his desire to do deep down in himself what he knew was right. And that was to not touch it. We got to stand up and do what we know is right and not allow what we know is not right. And especially our own households first. And so the Lord calls to Adam, right? And he tells him he's hiding. And God's like, well, who told you you were hiding? Have you eaten of the tree? Which he already knew. So, I mean, I say this all the time, but you, when God asks you a question, you ought to just know right there, time's up. So in verse 12, I'm still in chapter three of Genesis. The man, the man being Adam, he can't take any accountability for his actions. <laughs> He says, the woman, by the way, he blames Eve and God. The woman you gave me. 
So first of all, it's the woman's fault. And then second of all, if you had never given her to me, I wouldn't be in this situation. But yeah, you would have, Adam, because you were already hanging out at the tree. And then when Eve's addressed, she says, the serpent tricked me, and I'm paraphrasing. Nobody's taken accountability for their actions. We're not getting to the heart of the matter here, which is you just wanted what you wanted. And that's really where we're at today. Parenting, I'm sorry, is not what it was when I was raising my kids. And even then I saw people that just wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. You know, everything... I see, where, I see where the foundation began being laid. I could go all the way back to when my kids were toddlers. And I would try to address something with another mother. And I, I'd hear so many different responses. You know, there was conflict between the children or some. I heard the phrases, because I had all boys. I heard the phrases, boys will be boys, so there's no accountability there. And then I heard the phrase, I, like, uh, I use the example Johnny, you know, okay, so my son had an issue with Johnny. Like I watched Johnny clobber my son over the head. This is just an example. And so I would go to Johnny's mother and say, your kid just clobbered my kid over the head. No, not my Johnny. Like, yeah, he did. Why, why am I lying about it? <laughs> right? What, why am I lying? And, you know, for me as a parent, like I lived in the house with my kids. I knew they weren't perfect. So I could never understand how another parent would always think their children were perfect. And they never held their kids accountable. So there were no real consequences for bad behavior. And so why do we think that these kids are doing these heinous crimes and that they're really not understanding that those actions have real consequences behind them? Real consequences. And the truth of the matter is it's easier to blame the president and the Congress and the senators and uh, whoever, the governors. I, I, I don't know what, you know, uh, the representatives mayors, I, you can go, any political title. It's easy to say, well, why aren't the politicians, why aren't we doing something in our homes? Never mind the politicians. Everything's the politicians' fault. Why are we allowing our homes, why, why is every kid eating dinner in their own room with the door closed and you don't even know what's going on in their, on their phone or their TV or anything? Now, my kids had TVs in their rooms, but I promise you, I had free reign in their room. When they were watching television, the door was open. I wanted to hear what they were doing. And whether they were home or not, whether I had reason or not, if I was led, had any kind of unction in any capacity to go through every single thing in their room, I would do it and they knew it. I would grab their phone and read their texts when they started texting. I would grab their phones and listen to their music. And I'd delete it if I didn't like it. Because I'm the mother and I can do that. My children knew I loved them. I always hugged them. I kissed all over them. I still do till this day. And they're all grown. Daily, 
They heard me say, I love you. And you know what? All of those things from their father too, which is a whole other animal of its own in today's world. We have a fatherless generation. The men aren't stepping up for the children that they created. And then you wonder what's wrong. Fathers are important to sons and daughters. But that's a whole nother conversation. I always told my children how awesome they were, how handsome they were, how strong they were, how amazing they were. I let them beat me at a few games. But the older they got, the better they got, the more challenging I made it for them. But see, this is the thing. I didn't stop at encouraging them. I didn't stop at the loving. I disciplined them. When they were toddlers, certain behavior was not tolerated in public or in private. Fits weren't tolerated. I'm not saying they didn't throw them. They threw them, but they weren't tolerated. They were taught it's unacceptable. They couldn't grab something out of another's hands and growl mine. I mean, they did. They did it, but they sure were corrected when they did it. They couldn't push, shove, pinch, be mean to even their siblings. I didn't allow it in our home. I didn't allow it out of the home. They couldn't do it to anyone else either. If they did, they were made to apologize and hug, which they hated at the time. When my kids became teens, I stalked them. I checked their phones. I checked their wallets. I checked their texts, their cars, their friends. If I wasn't going to be their friend on Facebook when it initially came out and they were still living in my home, then you weren't going to have a Facebook. I've heard parents say, oh, um, let's just say Lucy. Lucy won't accept me as a friend on Facebook. I'm like, what? No, unacceptable. Then you will not have a Facebook. And if you do, I'll find it somehow. Because that's my responsibility. Train a child up in the way that they should go. It's not our job to make sure they're our friend. That will come later in life. It's our job for them to know we can be trusted, we can be relied upon, and we are going to discipline them and love them all in one. I mean, my kids were still seniors in high school, and if they were going over to another kid's house, I would check with the other parents making sure an adult was going to be there. And let me tell you, that drove my kids crazy. They couldn't stand it. One of my sons um, made the comment one time, when he gets his license, he's going to go over to his friend's house that was across town. No, you're not. You can't go over there now when I can drive. Well, you don't trust me. No, oh, I trust you. I don't trust them. And I don't trust you being put in any situations that I'm unaware of. And none of them liked it. But I wasn't looking for brownie points with my kids. They hated it. Did I care? No. My responsibility was to love them and to raise them to be responsible, to be accountable, to be respectable, to understand that they as a child and even then as a young person, you earn respect. It's not handed out. I don't have to respect you. You have to earn my respect and my trust. And way back when I was growing up, I promise you this, if my mother wasn't around to spank me, whatever mother was in the room, they would take care of it. And that's some of the situations we have today. These are the things that we are not willing to address. And so I just want to close up 
with this scripture this morning as an encouragement. It's in Proverbs 22, verse six. Train up a child, train up a child in the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn away from it. They will not leave it. They will not depart it. But we've got to train them up. It's our responsibility. So train up your children, love your children, discipline your children, be their guard, be their defender, be their protector. You all have a blessed day. Thank you.